Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review, stick it up on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today, like normal, is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And today we are going to discuss a book or talk about a book, but I'm not quite sure which one yet. Oh, Juliana seems to have a book in mind, but it turns out, well, put it this way. I always say I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it, unless I go on a work trip. Yes. And I had an emergency worship last Thursday. Was it Thursday last week? I think it was. Tuesday. Whenever it was, uh, we were chatting and, and, you know, we'd just finished doing a vlog for, you know, for our summer of vlogging yeah. our things. And then I got an email at like 10 o'clock at night or whatever yeah, it was. I came in to say yeah. goodnight and you said, oh, I might have a work trip. Yep. Tomorrow I have to be in Ravenna. Yeah, like, so uh, okay. <laughs> within 12 hours, I was on the way to the airport and getting on a flight and going to Italy. And this is the thing. When I go on work trips, this is one of the reasons why I did science fiction book review podcast stuff for years uh, just by myself because I was traveling a lot. In yeah. the last few years, I've done less traveling for obvious reasons. And now feels like this is like my third work trip of the year, even though it's only July. Normally, like pre-COVID times, this would be a very sparse work year. Yeah, um, absolutely. But now now I'm really happy that suddenly I get a last minute gig come up and I get paid to do my real job, which is if you if you're new to the podcast, it's uh, I'm a professional juggler and I was going to work on a cruise ship at last at the last minute. And um, yeah, but that meant uh, I just finished one of the books that I wanted to review, which was um, Martha Wells uh, Network Effect. Um, but also checking out here on my Goodreads, there's four four books that we could talk about today. So in order, Network Effect, Murderbot Diaries, number five yep. by Martha Wells. Robot Dreams, Robot 0. 0.4 uh, by Isaac Asimov. It's a short story collection with um, some very famous short stories in there. Okay. Um, Black Sun, which is Between Earth and Sky by Rebecca Rowanhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantasy series and it's the first book of a fantasy series. Or The City We Became by M.K. Jemison, which I, I continued on with my reading <laughs> experience. In fact, I didn't. I started again from the beginning with an ebook versus an audiobook and uh, and uh, I've decided after getting about 20% into it that I'm not going to continue. So it's up okay. to you. Which of those four do you want to talk about? Um, that's a really difficult question because of all these books, I've read one. Okay, well, let's do that and one And that one I've read in October uh, 2020. Okay. And apart from like the only thing that I can do about this book is go on Goodreads and see that I gave it three stars. All right, then. I have no idea why well, or what happened. I do know why, because this is Murderbot number five, and you'd, you'd, you'd kept up with the um, with the short the stories. The publication. Uh, sorry, yeah, you kept up with the novellas yeah. um, beforehand. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so you kept up with the novellas. And then when the book came out, you were like, oh, it's in the library, I'm just going to get it. Yes. And it's only recently that I've done the same thing, listening to the audiobook versions or the audio versions of the novellas, and I've caught up and then after putting in an audiobook um, request into the library app, suddenly it came up and I listened to it all yes. the way through. Also, I made quite a few notes about it. Good. Because I finished this a week ago. Yeah. Um, it's slightly more than a week ago. But then I did what you suggested, which is go back and listen to the previous podcast that we recorded about it, where mm. I hadn't read the book. But I did. Uh, you, I'd only read like the first two two of the short stories of the two yeah. of the novellas, but you'd got up to number five and finished number five. Okay. Now I have caught up with you. And Good. the stuff that you also, said in that podcast. I should have also listened to that podcast. No, no, no. You don't need to. This, well, I'll just mention a few things that you mentioned, which I hadn't, that I had noticed, but I hadn't made a note of okay. for myself. Good. All right, let's go. Let's go straight into it. Here we go. Murder, uh, Murderbot Diaries is um, a, 
a, a, a, a collection of novellas yes. and the novellas just kept on cleaning up at the Hugo and Nebula Awards. Yeah. And it seems to me, and this is me being completely cynical, it seems to me that Martha Wells was being completely cynical when she was like, hey, I'm cleaning up with these awards. If I just do a novel length of this, I'll just clean up with the novel as well. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I can't think of a single reason why this story, Network Effect, Murderbot yeah. Number Five, is a novella rather than uh, a novel. No, sorry, it's a novel rather than a novella. Like okay. literally no reason. Yeah. No reason. It makes no sense for this story to be stretched out over this amount of time in the book. Yeah. Compared to what I'm used to with the previous with the previous novellas, which I really enjoyed, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um I can't remember what I was giving them, you know, on, on Goodreads. But you know, like that that third yeah. one I think yeah. um is really it, I mean and the first one is good. The second one is uh mostly good. The third one I thought was really good. Yeah. The fourth short story was back to like, oh yeah, this is this is uh, this is worth reading. Yeah. Um but totally. it's it's not giving me what I want from a novel but it's it's fun stuff but it certainly doesn't feel like martha wells uh, laid out a uh, a plan of hey i'm doing four sh four novellas yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it ramps up to a novel yes that is certainly not the there vibe is nothing no. in this book oh i've got the wrong i've got my black sun notes open here don't work effect here we go so there is nothing in this novel which makes me think it's worth being a novel there is nothing in the length of the story which makes me think it was meant to be this long yeah it feels padded out and also it feels like kind of two novellas novellas or three novellas like stuck together and that's the thing that you said when i listened back to on the on the podcast when you were like oh yeah it's just something happens here and then they go there and something happens there and then they go there and something happens there like and there's yeah. there's not really a, a, a huge amount of interplay between them mm -hmm. yeah so it's and it worked it won the hugo this is yep. a hugular award winning book so you know i always try and read all of these i don't try and read every hugo award winner or every no, uh, nebula award winner yep. but i have read now every hugular Yeah. Um, as the what we called that, it, that except for both. I think Blackout and All Clear by uh, and, and the Doomsday Book. I think those. Okay. There, I think there was <laughs> a few that kind of I didn't get through. <laughs> oh yeah, there was also what is it, the Yiddish Policeman's Union, Union or something yeah. like that. There was a, there was a few where I started and was like, oh right, this this isn't for me. Even though it won the Hugo and the Nebula, it's a Hugo Award winning. Anyway, this it did win it. Okay. However, is that always a sign of? quality no it's not a sign of quality it's a sign of popularity in yeah. two spheres one is hugo award is voted for by readers and people who go along to a fan convention Worldcon. it's a fan convention so if you happen to be on the ballot in a time when a lot of your fans will go along there you can win yeah hence you know Uh, what was it? Neil Gaiman was a guest of honor at a uh, at a Worldcon yeah. and happened to win. It was it was his turn to win that year because like all of the people who wanted to meet him and go to a fan convention with went. him and say yeah went and yeah. fancy that they all also voted for him for a book <laughs> which I think even he considers is like mine and Neil Gaiman you know fair yeah. either way and the same thing can happen that that hominids is always the best example with the Canadian <laughs> guest of honor at the Canadian Worldcon. If you haven't go back to the episode and no, listen to it no, don't it's it's not the hominids is not worth it's not worth reading even though it is a classic science fiction book review podcast mostly because i was out of my brain on painkillers and stuff at the time mm -hmm. but either way um so yeah this uh, oh yeah and the nebula award is for people who, that's voted for by other science fiction and fantasy authors oh, so okay. yeah it's so it's like the oscars is like the you know the people who vote for that have to be part of the motion picture academy so they're yeah. like industry insiders yeah whereas other
other movie awards are voted for by, you know, public votes or whatever. Yes. So the Nebula Awards is you have to be in with the right crowd. So there's some authors who will never win a Nebula Award because they are British and aren't interested in taking part in like the American online um, version of social media and boosting and going on podcasts and going to conventions and all that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, Peter F. Hamilton, even if he writes the best book of the year, he's never going to win a Nebula Award because like he doesn't need a Nebula Award. He doesn't need to be part of the, oh, whose turn it is now? Oh, well, Anne Leckie won last year. So, oh, now it's N.K. Jemison's turn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now it's the turn of um yeah. what is it like the calculating stars oh yeah yeah that's it's it's her turn now you know yeah. and it's and now oh no it's his turn oh john skulls yeah i guess he's he's been around long enough you know it's <laughs> it's like the uh it's like some of these oscars where you're like oh shit martin scorsese hasn't won an uh an oscar as best director Quick, what's his yeah, last movie? Like, well, you know, this movie yes it's his turn you know it's definitely yeah. that kind of thing again i'm not knocking any of these these are great publicity awards you know, like yeah. I, I was pointing just over there. Oh, it's behind the curtain at the moment. My, um, you know, my International Jugglers Association 2004 People's, People's Choice, Choice Award. Award. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's totally fine. Like I literally was just filling out a profile of some circus talk thing, like some online thing about performers. Yeah. And it was like awards. And I was like, I only have one award. And it's the 2004 um, IGA People's Choice Award. So again, th- there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. But again, it's not a, it's not a, sim- a, a signal of quality rarely oh no No, it can can be it is one it It is one of them but i feel that a a book that does win both is kind of important enough in the english language science fiction fantasy um publishing world that it's kind of up to me to at least give it a go yeah and i finally got around two years two years later to a network effect yeah um so here's i'm gonna just go through my notes because again i I finished this over a week ago so i'm just gonna pretty much do this guy going through my notes i'd mentioned before on my on my reviews of books three and four which are called rogue nation and um terminal countdown i don't even know what they're called yeah um no rogue nation oh i was gonna i was i was about to make a joke then (laughs) about about how they sound rogue protocol yeah i was gonna say oh no it's ghost protocol and rogue nation but this is rogue anyway i I was gonna make a joke about how they all uh, the same joke that i've made all these times that they sound like mission impossible titles and i think i actually did just say (laughs) a mission impossible thing um fugitive telemetry i think is the next one yeah yeah, yeah. but we actually we talked about that on the last previous podcast where we talked about this we're not going to go into it no no but i want to say um i have this weird thing about language that certain words feel good in my mouth yeah and certain words really don't. Well, you literally said the same thing in the, in the in other the, podcast. The All knew. systems read. Artificial condition. Rogue protocol. Uh, exit strategy. Um, home habitat range in East Territory. I don't know. That's a short yeah, that's story. A, a Network effect. So we're here, up to here now. Yeah. So um, I'd mentioned in those previous reviews, not that I'd done podcasts about them because, you know, novellas, they were, I didn't feel uh, like those novellas were building up to this novel that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. But I mentioned on Goodreads, um, like my one line review of those books, which, you know, the novellas, which I actually quite enjoyed as like, like a novel, but with just the action bits. Yeah. And the what next one I said, like a novel, but with only the computer system hacking bits. Yes. And then I realized, oh, actually, that's fine because, like, when novella length things, it's like 
a, a TV show. It's like a, a it's like a TV um, episodical series. episodic yeah. TV series. Mm. And we've seen this so many times. Like when we were watching that Star Trek Discovery, there was that moment where like we watched the first like thirty seconds of the episode, and I paused it and I said, "This is a time loop episode." And you're like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, because they bumped into someone." And if this was a TV show, you would never see two people just bump into each other in, it, in a movie. In it, it was a TV show, Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. Yes. It was, so if it was a movie, you no, wouldn't do if it. it was a t- if it was any form of filmed media competently yeah. done, if two people like bump into each other, they'd be like, cut, right, t- do that take again. Yeah. There had to be a story reason why two people bump into each other. Right. But there's never a reason for two for that to be a thing yes. unless you unless you've seen Groundhog Day many, many times and all these other looping things where you're yeah. like, Oh, that person stepped in a puddle and there was a big deal made about it. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that's not funny enough in its own right and it's not interesting enough in its, it's own right to be, be funny. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh thing is this kind of stuff yeah. it can get really, really not I need to move on to the point. We can't okay. get bogged down in this. Okay. I'm go, just saying that each episode, there's like, oh, now this is Something the is this is the like. In, let's stick with Star Trek. Okay, now we're going to swap minds between different people. This yeah. is the one there's a virus on the ship, and everyone goes like that. And I realized that that's what was happening with these with these um, uh, Murderbot Diaries yeah. stories. It's sort of like, oh, this is the episode where they're on a ship, and this is about hacking systems and drones and flying drones around. Yeah, totally fine with that. This is the one where it's about another robot which is sort of like was it mickey the robot and it's sort of like oh i'm mickey and you're gonna free me oh i'm gonna get this thing and i'm like (laughs) and i was literally reading that going this is not gonna end well for mickey um no spoilers it doesn't end well for me (laughs) but it's it's it you know it's as we go through episodic things you know unfortunately Oh, well, put it this way. Normally, those one episode monster of the week kind of things. There's a reason why it's monster of the week. It's because none of those monsters are interesting enough to spread across like an entire series. What's monster uh, of the week? Ah, monster of the week is the is like the trope of like, uh, you know, like with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Every episode, oh, like right. a, a new demon oh, yeah, turns yeah. up. <laughs> and by the end of it, you defeat the demon and you move on to the next one. Yeah. Star Trek is more like they turn up to this planet, they have an adventure and they leave again. Yes. And, you know, um, Kirk fights a monster that week and then moves it, on to that's it. That's true. Monster of the week is like a derogatory kind of term to say, like nothing that they face is ever going to be serious enough to actually like kill any of the main cast or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> Everyone's going to make it through this, but they're going to defeat this monster and move on to the next one that is true and that's totally fine for a tv episode yeah but when it comes to a tv series like a full like season like here's going to be 12 episodes or 22 episodes you get into this like long-term narrative suddenly you're like the thing that is here the the science fiction core of this episode or of this story has to be meaty enough to stretch over not just 45 minutes of television not just like two hours of a movie Mm. but like 12 hours of of narrative storytelling here so the core science fiction idea has to be strong enough to bear the weight of long-form science fiction storytelling yep i have a good example of that where that doesn't work okay now go for it the there's a a, a show on netflix when you yeah. weren't here i keep do, watching tv shows on yeah. netflix that you just cancel that netflix there's nothing no, good on but netflix it's, no but i know <laughs> no, carry on. Yeah. casual watching um it's called manifest and this is exactly what happens yeah uh some story bits are being processed yeah. and then there's a storyline and then but it's if that if that um, thing had been a single episode of a twilight zone and it was like the, the the idea was introduced and then it happens and then like an hour later you're like and we're done with that science fiction conceit you'll be like great that yeah. was a perfectly good exploration yeah. of that science but they fiction spent idea like they spent like f- 
10 episodes or even uh, yeah. a whole season mm-hmm. on one storyline. Yeah. And then it just It just wasn't strong enough to go and to hold it up. We don't know what happens. And uh, it just, yeah, it just doesn't hold up. Uh, anyway, I got, uh, I saw something on the internet and it says, stop watching immediately because there is, it just doesn't. This is the Netflix show. The Netflix show manifest. Okay. It so, doesn't need anywhere. So this is kind of like uh, also one of those episodic. I wouldn't say it's that bad. But I'm saying that if something is episodic rather yeah. than long-term yeah. drama, you, if it's long-term, the science fiction idea has to be strong enough to support, in this case, what was it, a 12-hour audiobook. Yeah. And it isn't. Yeah. It just isn't uh-huh. strong enough. Because the because what they're doing is the same thing. In the, do you remember what the main science fiction thing is? No, in this, I don't no, remember anything because of it's, this book. It's almost... It's, <laughs> what it is, it's like the, you know, the... Um, uh, 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 I was going to say the melding plague from the uh, Revelation space kind of thing yeah. where like, oh, this person's body is slowly being taken over by this alien. But it, the, the more noticeable one is, I guess, the, um, the uh, ah, what's the show? The Leviathan uh, Wake show. Yeah. The, um, uh, the Expanse. You yes. know, they have the, uh, the proto molecule where people are, oh, this person's slowly being taken. Like, it's the alien zombifying virus kind yes. of stuff going on there and that is i guess the core of this story but it isn't because again it's sort of like this even in this within this novel it's kind of too episodic for that to be like the main idea <laughs> yeah but where they go like where it starts off they're like and big action sequence and here we are we're there and we're ready to go and then like but wait here's another third of the novel where people are just hanging about for a mm-hmm. while and we just mm-hmm. hang out with the crew for a while and so get where to they know go the crew this hotel and stuff I don't remember. Uh. Honestly, I finished this book a week ago (laughs) and that's why I have to go through my notes because this book, like I have, I remember more about the first novella, the second novella, the third novella and the fourth novella. I have clearer memories of those than I do with this novel. That you finished Because there was nothing intense. (laughs) There was no intense moments of this novel. But at the end, they did go down and there was like a battle and there was one side which was being taken over by an alien thing. But, and then there was an alien infestation and some of the humans were being taken over by the alien infestation. But I'm saying the core idea of like what's the what's the science fictional idea of the week this week yeah wasn't long enough to support an entire novel and wasn't interesting enough okay. like the computer hacking stuff in the previous one was more fun you know like the other science fictional ideas that have, have been played around with, and it's totally fine to have episodic like oh this is the book where x and you're like yeah. okay i've seen time loop done many times before how is this tv show gonna do time loop yeah. you know this is the show oh this is the novel where why? And I'm like, great. Uh, Alistair Reynolds is doing Mars colonization, whatever it is, you know, like, and yeah. this person, they're like, oh, now it's Peter F. Hamilton's turn to do a grand tour around the site, you know, oh, and now this person's doing, oh, they're doing yeah. their epic fantasy set totally, in this kind of thing. Totally fine. Totally fine for an author to take a stab at this. Yeah. But, like, the it feels like, um, Martha Wells had got to this point and she says, oh, well, I've done this story, I've done that story, I've done this story, I've done that story. I guess I'll get onto this one. But that coincided with her going, I reckon I can win a Hugo and a Nebula Award for a novel <laughs> at the same time. And that's the thing that really annoys me about it. Well, it's not annoying because it's like, I don't have any strong feelings about this. But it's it's disappointing yes. that the book that was held up as like the best book in two different realms among readers and other authors and writers yeah. that's yeah. held up as being the best science fiction fantasy book of or let's say more science fiction of the year of 2020 when this book came out Mm. the best example of that was a novel which felt undercooked 
underwhelming, <laughs> too long, and also just a cash grab. Not a cash grab, like a prestige grab, oh, like yeah. um, awards bait. Yeah. But it, isn't, it wasn't even good enough to be an awards bait book. It was just a more... Yeah. Of a thing. And I think that's what it comes down to. This is the, the, the awards were not for this book. The awards yeah. were are for the Murderbot series. Yeah, but there's for also, the whole thing. But there's another Hugo Award which is out there called um Best Series, which is like, oh shit, this this is really popular and it, none of them got an award. Let's let's just open them up for being a best series award and then they can win a best series, even though none of the individual books were good enough to win a Hugo. But then ne- uh, Nebula doesn't have that, so exactly. you can't get a, you can't get a Hugular Best Series Award. Yeah, and I think uh, and I think just having this as a a novel kind of shows that that it wasn't about oh we have this short uh, we have this novella series yeah and that's supposed to that goes on to win the the Best Series Hugo. This was supposed to be yeah like here I put out a novel. And then with that novel, I can elevate the whole series. Yeah, it doesn't elevate it. It just yeah. got the award. I mean, well done. Well done. Cynical play by Martha Wells. But honestly, this is... okay, so I made a note here yeah. and, I'd for- and I'd forgotten I made this note. And it's about how forgetful this book is. As I was reading, the, as I was listening to the audiobook, I'd kind of got tuned in to Martha Wells style of writing, which yeah. is like, all right, Murderbot, you know, Murderbot, here's like four other people and they're going to be important for the next hour mm-hmm. of audiobook listening because it's a novella so you know they're going to be around now you've yeah. got to keep track of like three other names sometimes one other name and i i kind of remember some of them one is the art which is a spaceship yes. um that uh, i think murderbot like also does the like reprograms in yeah. the same way that murderbot has um done blocks their own limiter or whatever no, it is. but ha- this is more with art it's more the other way oh, yeah, yeah yeah so art helped anyway, murderbot yeah there was like hey i'm gonna help you reprogram yes. you to yes. be able to act more exactly. like a human yeah so it's so it's the other way around and, and murderbot helped with yeah. the uh, the crew on board yeah. or something so art is the asshole research transport otherwise known as art okay. uh, i also remembered mickey yeah. from the previous one and of course mensa who is like the leader of the um of the preservation like yes. the prime minister or president of the preservation and again i remember those from the previous books but within any one story you've only got to remember one or two other characters yes especially human characters yeah. and it doesn't really you don't really care about them or you don't need to care about them or you don't need to remember them much or because they're only there for a short amount of time or sometimes there's a group of people yeah. where you can just in your head bunch like, them oh, together there's as- a This group of scientists or something. And so here's my note. I'm 70% of the way through and I start and I still can't picture which names go with which human question mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Because I realized like, oh, like these characters have been main characters in this book for seven or eight hours of this audiobook now and every single time a name was mentioned it was like me hearing that name for the first time and encountering <laughs> that character for the first time okay. because i had no idea what any of them looked like what what their, any of their jobs were what any of, like any of their characters were like nothing about any of them were different enough for me to either tell them apart or b remember them from one scene to the next 
Now, it might have been just because I, as I was listening to the start of the audiobook when these characters were being introduced, I wasn't paying enough attention. Yeah. But Martha Wells had trained me in the previous novellas not to pay attention too much <laughs> when characters are introduced because they're not really that important. Okay, there's one person who needs protecting. Yeah. There's two people who are just around. Yeah. And if a character is important, they'll we'll spend time with them and have like deep conversations to get to know them as a character, like Mickey, like Art, like Mensa, like these other characters who were previously there. And also the names, I couldn't latch on to any of the names. And I had to write down some names just to see if I could remember them. And this might not be an exhaustive list of those main characters. Tiago was one of them. Yeah. Arati was another one. Unfortunately, Rati was a different character. There was one character called Rati and another one called Arati. Yeah. So Arati and Rati, two different characters. No idea what them. There's Oversay, there's Inda, and then there's Amina, who was a juvenile. And then there was two other, the two other characters as well who were just there and then they kind of got rid of them off the ship oh yeah or Amina, wasn't that she like the daughter of yeah i mean she was the juvenile she was like the young one so that was in the end she was the only one who's who's who age, actually gender and role in the story who i could finally track yeah. down yeah, yeah but yeah. she was often off to one side like not involved in the main conversations and she so she was being talked about more mm. so i kind of remembered her a bit more because she was actually a topic yeah like she was a subject like some things were happening about her and as i was going through suddenly they're like oh um, i'm just going to literally pick two names at random Arati and Tiago, oh, and they were off there and they went into a cabin together and they're like, oh, I guess they're having sex. Oh, I could get, like, I could access the camera in there, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give them. And I was like, wait, there's been a love story happening this entire time? I didn't even know, like, th- these two <laughs> characters were attracted to each other in any way. Like, Yeah, because Murderbot isn't interested in that. So no, that's then not for us. I'm not interested interest- in anything. Exactly. But I was, I, I, honestly, we were spending so much time, like, four hours of the middle of this audiobook is mostly set on a ship which is kind of stranded or kind of like just hanging out and they're doing stuff and talking about what they're going to do. And I was just like, I was flabbergasted by, I was like, oh, like, it's not like I don't care about any of these people because they were framed in my mind like Murderbot, like, oh, some humans over there that need protecting, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, why are we spending four hours with all these humans which are framed in the story as, ah, humans over there that need looking after, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm like, why are we spending four hours with whatever, whatever, whatever? Who are these people? It's whoever, whatever, that one, this one. Because we needed to have a novel. Yeah, needed to be padded out to be in a 12-hour audiobook rather than a two-and-a-half-hour novella audiobook, whatever. Yeah. Then suddenly they go off and then there's another ship that they come onto and suddenly we have Seth, Iris, Tariq, Carrie and Mateo. And I was like, names that I recognise. Like, if someone's called Mateo, I know that they're probably male and from Italy or something. If someone's Tariq, it's sort of like, oh yeah, some kind of, like, I don't know, Arabian? I don't even know what to say about that. But like, Iris, Seth, um, you know, Carrie. I'm like, oh, these are human names from like, Earth. these are now Earth names rather than science fictional names. And I know it's really like plain and boring, but if someone turns up and they're like, what's your name? My name is John Smith. You're like, great. I can picture a John Smith in my brain. Ooh, I now want to point out. And a- I can't do that with... I can't do that with Arati or Oversay or Inda. And I mean, maybe maybe I can. I want to point out a what? bias now here. What? And I, I'm, I'm sure you, you're aware. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm totally aware. I just listed some white person names. Exactly. But, but I'm saying that like Mateo and maybe Tariq aren't white man names, but at least, at least just by the name with my earth biases, 
I come in and I have literally not just something, not just a specific thing, not even a very generic thing, but literally anything at all, anything at all to latch onto. This with good writing, you can do this with non-earth names. Yeah. You know, it's possible that you can within your fantasy language, I'm not saying fantasy or science fictional language, whatever your future language, your past language, or alternate dimension language, if you give if there's if you make the n- names distinct enough from each other, but have a similarity within a culture, like, oh, everyone from this planet has three names and Please give all of the people different letters at the beginning of their name. Yeah. But if they all end in Tratati or something like that. So we have Summa Tratati and then this person's... It's it's like everyone from Scotland being called McDonald and McMurdo and McBane or whatever it's going to be. It's sort of like, oh, there can be a diverse cast of characters from like with lots of different things, but just give me something to hang on to, mm-hmm. to have any connection with their past, their culture their society and if you just make up if you just roll the yahtzee dice no yahtzee uh, uh, what am I if you just dive into the scrabble bag and pick out characters rearrange them and go oh um uh, tiago which again could be a name for but i don't know how it's pronounced i don't know how i mean i know how it's pronounced i don't know how it's spelt like is oversay like that's not a that's that's not a that's collection a, but i think that is very much again quite a distinct not issue but problem but it's a an thing issue with the more, writing no 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 but also it's a bit more uh an issue with uh with the audiobook um if maybe. you if yeah, you maybe. can read a, a, a name y- y- it's a different attachment yeah, that maybe you get rati and arati are spelt very very different and are very very di- recognizable there could be a silent h i don't i don't know i don't know i don't remember either way i'm just saying look i don't want didn't want to get bogged down into this and i know this is me bringing human earth biases to a future science fiction world but but it was i'm just saying this is it was compounded by the fact that these were whatever 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 characters who i had nothing to latch onto and then i'm just saying some characters with more human earth names turned up and i immediately latched onto them and i immediately could tell the difference between seth iris and mateo because their names weren't arati and rati do you understand? Yeah. Like, like just just for brains, brain snap to grid autocorrect um, issues, I yeah. had something to hang on I to. I still there. think that Rati and Arati are earth sounding names. Yes. But, but they were the, too the similar simila- to each other. The similarity <laughs> is uh, what, yeah. It's and killing there, me. there are other books where that happened before that when you have two names and they're so close to each other, yeah. it's sometimes so difficult to, to make yeah. a difference. Who Who is it now? Who? Yeah. Yeah. And also the audiobook narrator didn't like did it wasn't performing them with different accents or oh, okay. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um so uh I've got some uh, like three more notes here. One of them was where, why I was like always annoyed why I was like okay in the previous books there was action happening. Yeah. And the action would rise to the end of the book and murder book would get injured in this way, injured in that way and be like dropping down and dropping down in capabilities. And then at the end, Murderbot won the day or got through it or got out or rescued <laughs> the thing. So did the thing, did yeah. the thing. And then you're like, and now the end of the book. And you're like, great. Now we can spend the gap between this story and the next story um, with Murderbot being patched up and being repro- reprogrammed <laughs> yeah. and limbs growing back and yeah. carapaces being repaired yeah. or whatever. 
And it felt like that was that was happening between the stories. Yeah. Unfortunately, in this book, this was happening inside the story. <laughs> like yeah. it was sort of like, and now I'm really damaged. Right now, I need time to repair. Okay, let's have two hours of the audio book go by, killing time while Murderbot gets their systems back up and running to 100 percent for the next adventure. And I'm like, why are we, we? This is a waste of time. And it was and it was annoying that like th- there were consequences to the actions and injuries, yeah. but it felt like oh yeah, you just put them in the in the whatever that but that gloop of you know at the beginning of uh, return of the jedi no it's the no it's not that it's the uh the beginning of um empire strikes back where luke gets swiped at by the uh by the ice um oh, yeti yeah. and then they're like oh we'll just put you oh the banter tank is it the banter tank you yeah. like drop you in this liquid and he's like blah 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 and then comes yeah. out and you're like yes and mark hamill in real life out of the movies had a car crash and now his face is all fucked up and they're like and now we have a plot reason why luke, <laughs> luke skywalker's face is all fucked up like it's clever <laughs> It's clever storytelling, yeah. but it felt like ah, oh, we have to we have to give a reason why Luke Skywalker's face is all fucked up. Let's hit him with a let's have a Yeti like swipe him with his face <laughs> or whatever, and then we stick him in a tank, and then he's like ah, and you're back to better. good. So there are ways of getting your main character. Anyway, Keith Jones, friend on Goodreads, yes, listener to the Science Fiction Book Review podcast. I'm just going to read out part of his review because I went through looking again. I'm looking for information, looking for names, like looking <laughs> yeah. for the names of the people so I can write them yeah. down. He says, I've been trying to think of how to describe it. And more than anything else, the Murderbot Diaries remind me of a first person shooter video game. There's a story scene where the level is set up and then there's a stealth level. This is followed by another story cut scene. And then there's either an action level or another stealth level. Another cut, uh, story cut scene may or may not follow. So that's him setting up this thing. Right. Yeah. Which again, I was saying, I don't mind that. Like, oh, now here's the stealth episode. And it's it's perfectly good stuff for a library app where you can just get it. And we're moving on. This is now more Keith Jones. Oh, okay. Murderbot is shot. Oh no, take 5% damage and there are no other ill effects. Murderbot's hand is cut off. Oh no, take another 5% damage, but otherwise there are no ill effects. Yes, Murderbot is a cyborg, but that just increases the feeling that none of it matters. And it's just a character's health bar. There are no ill effects from a low health bar, just like in a first-person shooter video game, and that's <laughs> and this really resonated with me. I was like, ah, that's it. Every time Murderbot gets into a situation, they're like, ah, oh, I've been damaged and I've been shot, and now this is coming over, and now I've been infected here, and this is coming up. But it's sort of like, how long can you take damage? How long can in video game turn? How long can you tank the damage? Yeah. Um. Before like. Like, you have to face real you consequences. You have to face real consequences. Yeah. And the real consequences are, it seems very binary in the writing that, like, oh, my damage can't drop down too low. Otherwise, I can't X. And what is X? Live, survive, but it, do my job at all. But it's never like, oh, no, my arm has gone off. Now I've got to do the next rest of the mission with, like, only one arm. And I keep, like, oh, there's this door that I have to open. And it's like a two, two-arm two door opening. Thing. Like, there again, there's never any of that. It's yeah. like, it's just the health bar goes down. But then instead of doing an instant heal that you can do in compu- computer games, where you're like, oh, I just I run through the, I uh, go to the health station. That's always yeah. the thing, like a place where you just go and you press a button and pen, pen spend some in-game currency and yeah. you're like wow you got a health boost great and then you just carry on yeah and you, you and save you get it. back to you, yeah you do a save file after you get the health yeah know, after you pay get your health up to 100 percent. then you then you save not yeah. before because then you, if you get damaged of again, course you save after anyway that's that is what this feels like yes. it feels like murderbot doesn't like everything that murderbot faces is just a thing and also what what you what you avoid by having murderbot like a um a cyborg kind of 
human brain stuffed into a, a into a robot thing is that if a human gets their arm chopped off yeah, it's not only, it's no it's not only that they then have to do task without an arm their whole system yeah goes into like, shock yeah. absolutely like uh they their, their whole body suffers because because of everything that is attached to losing an arm it's not the main thing is you lost yeah. an arm but also the rest of the stuff that is affecting um i'm gonna touch on uh, two months uh, two notes from the previous podcast that we recorded you said there's these flow interrupting flashback that are like tv show episodes for murderbot 3.0 <laughs> um uh to know uh and that's uh, oh, giving away a bit of the book anyway so there's these flashbacks and you and you were saying these flashbacks i understood what was going on and they felt like experimental of why these flashbacks were happening but they just got in the way yeah i was confused about the flashbacks when they came up again maybe because i was really struggling to pay full attention when listening to this audiobook <laughs> yeah but i worked it out halfway through okay. and was like oh yeah i guess that's what's happening and then later on i was like yeah that is what happened and then you said the same kind of thing yeah like and what it is is that and i like as a meta point of this it, of this storytelling of, of of a novel like you have a chance with a novel to do more experimental storytelling ideas yes, yes. and this was completely wasted and when it was paid off it was like not even commented on hardly even mentioned <laughs> and they were like remember those flashbacks that were happening which were getting in the way of the action and being annoying all the way through this is the meaningful part this is what you were doing this is what you experienced and n none of that is i mean it it does happen mm. it is it does like something that switch is flipped or whatever you want to say that turn of the story does happen but oh my goodness is that unsatisfying when something <laughs> happens and is paid off and then none of the characters mention it and none of them are like wow like the main characters are like and it was so great that i did all of that and i worked out. no it just it happens and i was like wait is that why we're doing the flat and i and this is what you were talking about in this i of like oh wow that could have been that could have been like the core of the entire novel <laughs> yeah. of like oh we have these flashback things and this is this person learning about something in the past and now they're going to pass on that, that information to the next robot or the next cyborg and that's going to teach the new cyborg how to interact with the world in the same way that i learned to interact with the world by watching television series overall you know mm -hmm. this time i this person is going to get like the they're going to get the shortcut that they don't have to watch through 18 seasons of sanctuary moon to learn how to like operate in human society i'm gonna give them the shortcut to that and that's what the flashbacks were and like when i was getting there and i was piecing this together i was like oh is this what was happening when we're having those oh, <laughs> this is the the flashbacks were the in the edited information that murderbot put together to download into the next version of the security bot to give, give them a help to be a, a free roaming agent in a, a self-deterministic agent in a human world and yeah. you're like like, I have now, by saying that, put more explanation into it than the novel does. Yes. Like, what I've just done there explains what was going on more than the novel did, even as the novel was doing it. And you can do novels which don't explain their own structure. Experimental novels which don't explain their own structure. Like, one of the things that really comes up is... Um, 
One of the examples that comes to mind is use of weapons by Ian M. Banks, which has got this weird thing that like some chapters are going forward in time yeah. and other <laughs> chapters are going backwards in time. Or not the chapters aren't going backwards, but each chapter is a bit before. Yeah. And when the first time I read it, it was like only really at the end of the book. I was like, why is this person just being trained now? And then I would like flick back and forth. Like, oh, I'm such uh-huh. an idiot. <laughs> and like everything crystallizes in your brain. You're like, oh, oh I you need know, to read like this the again. Memento <laughs> thing where yeah. you're like, oh, wait. So, ah, uh, yeah, I'm no memento is the movie is is a lot more obvious than that where some things like one part is going forward yeah, in time yeah. and the other person's going back and it meets in the middle so again there are but it was it's annoying that like i had to piece together the experimental like storytelling bit and you also mentioned that in the podcast yeah um what else the other oh the other one is like we mentioned the previous where i was like what else can i put in the net in the mixed genre tropes and you're and you actually said this times is alien infected people you actually mentioned that but again you'd forgotten two years later what the story was yeah, about totally. um so there are two more things that i want to talk about and both of them come down to writing issues okay and we've talked a lot about character issues I can't remember any of the characters and none of them are important. Mm-hmm. I've talked about p- plotting issues and pacing issues. Also, just on a s- sentence by sentence, scene by scene, there is a lot of stuff in this book which did was unsatisfying. If in the third chapter of your book, you used the words, spoiler alert, <laughs> you have to put in so much work as an author to say... <laughs> Um, and if everything went, and if everything went according to plan, there'd be no problems and we'd just go through with it and there'd be no problems. Spoiler alert. And you're like, no, you can't just say the word spoiler alert. There is something, if it, the thing that happens in a book which foreshadows what happens later in a book isn't a spoiler because a spoiler is something outside of the story influencing your reading. Like, spoilers can't happen inside of an artwork (laughs) about itself, inside of a narrative about itself. That's not a spoiler. I've already given it away. That's foreshadowing. The thing that that is is called foreshadowing. It's, It's... it's like when I saw this article once, it was sort of like spoilers in Jurassic Park for later in Jurassic Park. I was like, it's not a, it's not a spoiler when, you know, he gets in the helicopter and the seatbelts don't work. So he goes, oh, I'll take this female end of the, the, of the seatbelt and this other female end of the spade and wrap them together and tie them around. So I was like, oh, two females, you can put them together and you can just tie them off and two females work together. And you're like... Ah, that is not a spoiler. That is like amazing foreshadowing. Like yep. that is crazy good foreshadowing by Michael Crichton, who wrote the, the, the screenplay, whoever wrote yeah, it, yeah. and Spielberg, who put it together. It's like masterful, yeah. masterful. You'll miss it the first Absolutely. five times that you watch or Jurassic ever. Park, Always. and then the sixth time you're like, "Oh shit, that scene is there it's for right a there. reason." It's there. <laughs> it's like way too mm. subtle for anything. Foreshadowing. It's what you do instead of saying the word spoiler alert. Who said that? The character, the murder bot, the Martha Wells in the book says, and if everything goes according to plan, this will work out no problem. Spoiler alert. And I'm like, I was, I, I was, like, you can see how annoyed I am at somebody for literally using the word spoiler alert 
Instead, like, it's okay to do that kind of stuff. And this is we were watching Shit's Creek. And at one point, one of the characters goes, they say something. And oh, yeah. so one of the characters goes, cut to later. <laughs> and the other guy's, no. He's like saying, no, not cut to. We don't cut to that, do we? No, we're not. We're not going to cut to that later. <laughs> and it's all yeah. like, oh, that's really clever. You know, community did this all the way through. Yeah, the self-referencing. Even more so. Community, yeah, yeah. community does it even more so yeah. when they're like, ah, right, we're going to, like, it, the the TV show becomes about a character saying spoiler alert yeah. and turning to a camera and saying, "Oh, they do this whole thing." Was it Troy and Abbott in the in the morning? And they're there and they're doing this TV show. And then someone else is guessing, like, "What are you doing? There's not even any cameras here. You're just, you're pretending to be on a morning zoo TV show and like people in the background like waving and stuff." And you know, and like if that is what the if that is what the media is about, if that's what the narrative is about, examining yeah. those things. But this book isn't. Oh no, no, but but it is. But it is in a way because it is about this TV show that Murderbot keeps watching. Yes, and so it is like this kind of. Yes, you know, I, it's, I understand. It's doing this. It's saying this because of this TV show related. No, because uh, the word saying the words yes, spoiler I alert. Not, I would not live my life like in real life. Me living my life, yeah. going around thinking, talking to somebody. Because spoiler uh, uh, alert is something for the future. You you, you don't know what's gonna yeah, happen, uh, so you no, can't. No, but this is somebody spoil... talking about a story back. But I'm like, if this is someone in the far future recounting a story back again, like first of all, yes, if there were if nothing went wrong, there wouldn't be a novel here. You know. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get too much into this, but it's it's this was an in, something that's indicative about lazy writing. Mm. Like instead of doing the work to do the foreshadowing, yeah, it's just claiming the claiming that that the, oh i can use, say the word spoiler alert but by saying the word spoiler alert i don't actually have to give a spoiler or do any foreshadowing yes and there's another thing about this with i was another note which is um um why what do characters see in murderbot maybe i'll get onto that as well but like that that murderbot is mostly grumpy and sarcastic but sarcasm isn't even a a good form of thing and i i noticed this little essay that somebody wrote on sarcasm i first discovered sarcasm as a freshman in college which which i realized makes it a bit of a late bloomer anyway it talks it about like oh suddenly being sar- i could be the funniest person in the room by just being sarcastic and it's really easy because yeah. you just say the same words again in a dumb voice um And it says, uh, whatever it says, uh, sarcasm does nothing to advance our understanding of the world around us or help us improve it. You know, sarcasm works because it alludes to a critique without ever actually making it. It shifts the burden of substantiating the criticism as an exercise for the audience and further suggests that if they don't already understand it, then they are deficient. Making a critique implicit is an unassailable rhetorical position. Um, and that's saying yes. instead of saying something explicitly, you can just say something sarcastically. Yeah. And and also, what I always find is sarcastic is an easy way out. Yes. So if somebody doesn't get it, yeah, it passes it them might. by. It literally says this: if someone does challenge it, you can simply demur and say it was just a joke. Exactly. The most yeah. socially acceptable yeah. response for a group is to go along with it, as yeah. you've given them nothing specific to challenge. Absolutely. And this is what my notes are about. This is that murderbot by the main form of humor being sarcasm means that murderbot never actually has to say what the issue is oh these humans oh just fucking humans oh humans oh why don't they just 
fucking humans. Humans. What about humans? I'd hate to be a human because, ah, oh, fucking humans. And it's like, you're not saying anything. Well, we know that humans aren't as capable in combat situations as you. Yes. But you're it not. Does, it does say it. It uh, it does say like uh, yes, I know. humans are like I can do I can do this because I am a yeah. hundred times faster and yeah, yeah. humans are just slow. <laughs> okay, in Star Wars, C three PO does this gag saying, "Oh, the chances of us getting through a, an asteroid field at this speed is like seventy three million to one or whatever it is." Yeah. That is a joke, a joke on humans. On well, on C three PO, but also yeah. like to say that look. Put aside your probabilities. We're in a science fiction fantasy yeah. space adventure. We're going to survive because we're the main characters. And and how are we going to survive? Yeah. Like, that is the most important thing. Like, here's a probability. And in the end, they just, like, turn off C-3PO and, like, you know, the chances and like, shut up. Like, yeah. like you saying the chances of and me saying shut up is a character moment between the two of us. You think that we're you're a coward. C-3PO is, like, the, the is, like like Shakespearean level coward, you know, yeah. amazing coward level of all fiction, like is C-3PO yeah. up there as well. You know, RTD2, the opposite, like oh, yeah, exactly. zooming Let's into go. action. Like that, like having a coward, like couch their cowardice in terms of probabilities of death or destruction mm -hmm. or not making it through is a funny moment in a movie if you do it like twice yep. or three times, like Empire Strikes Back. It's like three times. The chances of... And he says it like once and then the next time he's like, like the chances are, you know, and then they just cut, cut him off. In this book, Murderbot Diaries, constantly defining the chances. Whoa, let's press pause. I, we just took delivery. We had a post delivery. So the thing is, in this book, constantly Murderbot is telling us the percentages of probabilities of how dangerous stuff is or how likely stuff is. Like, yeah. oh, we are this. It's this likely that there's going to be an enemy around that corner, and now the probability has gone up to eighty percent, and now it's gone down to thirty-seven percent, and now it's gone up to fifty-six percent. Is anything? Is any story happening when I say, oh, it's gone up from eighty-seven, or gone down from eighty-seven to thirty-three percent? No, no, it's it's there's, meaningless. There's, it's meaningless, <laughs> and that's the can't, like at the start, like early on in the novel, Martha Wells would kind of back up some of that, like, oh, and it's gone down because of this. The percentage of this happening or the danger that we're in has gone up because of this. Yes. By the end of the book, just didn't care anymore. Would just be like, oh, now the chances of this are going, and it's like that. It's like that video game threat level thing. You're like, oh, the the my threat level meter has gone up, and you're like, what does that mean? And you're like. <laughs> Uh, the higher threat and you're like no no but what does that mean they're like oh no the threat's gone up now oh no it's gone down again and you're like what what like Wait, what change why? like was it because i went closer and then went further away did i make not did my character make noise did i like cock my weapon and like something like an alien swing its head around like again there are narrative ways of doing this in a movie or in a tv show or in a computer game or in this case in a novel where you say what is changing to affect the probability numbers and you communicate those probability numbers not in cold heart 87% going down to 57% but with writing with pacing with character moments with describing what's happening saying how a character even you know this whole thing show don't tell yes this is one of those things where they're like ah instead of saying oh I'm less afraid now I will show it by revealing a counter in the bottom corner of the screen you're like no that's not like you can't just show like it's, it's in these times when you're like oh okay and something spooky is gonna happen like something's gonna ha the, the tension is rising and you just go uh 
And I know it's just a cat. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like you, you can't just do the soundtrack. You can't just do the the threat level meter. Also, another thing in the same way of numerically doing stuff, which is clever was clever the first time Martha Wells did it was to say and I said something and then this human reacted 3.7 seconds like it hesitated for 3.7 seconds and then you carry on you're like oh that's clever that the only way for Murderbot to determine like a human reaction for something is to like time how long it is between them doing one thing and the next or saying one thing and then saying the next thing or I say this and then how long does it take this other character and that has meaning and it had meaning the first time because it revealed something about how murder bot determines uh, social interactions and character moments and the thoughts of other people and And from then on it can just do that and if you just say oh they hesitated oh i guess they hesitated because they're upset about it yeah i think it's probably because they're upset about it or maybe they were surprised and they're trying to think of something to say maybe they're gonna tell a lie and this pause is Is a reason they're gonna like i have just given you like four examples of why somebody would hesitate 3.7 seconds before continuing a conversation yeah and that is what Martha Wells does once or twice at the beginning of the book. By the end of the book, it's literally like this person hesitated 3.7 seconds and then replied, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you got it. You can't just use, you can't just say the person hesitated for 3.7 seconds and then reply it because that you're not saying anything new. Not, no new things are being contributed to this. All you're doing is filling time by pretending to not tell by showing but actually doing worse and just sort of like data data dumping not info dumping which is another thing in novels but it's more like just going show you working at one point at one point characters actually got out martha wells's story notes and drew them on a whiteboard. What we had is a scene of characters standing around a whiteboard, writing things down on the whiteboard and drawing lines connecting them to each other. Okay. That is not good storytelling. That can be... Like, there are are movies... Again, take it back to Star Wars. There's literally a scene where they're like, all right, here is a trench. We've got to go through here. We found the vulnerability on the Death Star. We've got to fly down this trench and throw a a, a torpedo into something just the size of a womp rat. You know, you're going to do... This is what we're going to do. It's okay to have a briefing mission to say, okay, this is what needs to happen in the next scene, and now we're going to watch it play out. But there are story reasons for that. Story reasons for that. Here, it's literally Martha Wells going, I've got this whiteboard in my office where I do some writing and I'm not quite sure how to convey this information with actual storytelling character moments plot advancement or anything tell you what I'll just take a photo of my story notes and just insert it into the book oh no that's not going to work tell you what I'll describe what my story notes are on this whiteboard that's what it (laughs) felt like okay it's 53 minutes here and I've got to get to my final note which is what do the main characters see in Murderbot so many main characters other humans art Mickey well art is not a human Uh, no that's what I'm saying human characters also Mickey also art also Mensa also all of the other characters seem to 
get this really strong affection for Murderbot in a way that we as as, as readers can we I understand readers liking Murderbot because it's fun to have like a uh, you know like this like a, a grumpy um, sarcastic person who is not sorry not person who continuously says they don't want to be human but is growing more and more human as time goes it's an interesting overall story arc yeah. which to be honest most of that happened in the first novella and yes. it was very slowly being doled out a little bit by little bit yeah but i was like what do people see in murderbot this grumpy sarcastic not very talkative thing hulking thing that just hangs around the other humans in the book don't have a view into murderbot's mind to know that they have this rich world yeah. inside they can only react to it by their actions. Yeah, by Murderbot's actions and how Murderbot protects them. And I understand it. Oh, Murderbot protected me. But there's literally... I don't know what the other human characters are throwing themselves into danger for to help save Murderbot. Yeah. Which isn't a problem for Mickey and Art and other non-human characters, but I don't understand why the humans have such a strong affection for Murderbot. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, if you look at it from their point of view, um, yeah, what what is there? What is that? No, there isn't anything. Now I do understand it, and I think there's one clever thing in this novel, which is not paid off, and I like the fact that it's not, it isn't made explicit. Okay, you know, it's just it was it continues to be implied where they keep saying art, which is the ship, yeah. has they keep saying you've got a. Um, a you've got an affection for juvenile humans for like this these young characters yeah. you know like oh there's this teenager on board oh and you really like art and then as the book goes on there's also like a, a relationship developing between art and murderbot yeah and they're like oh this is really good why don't you just tell art your feelings and other people go why not like that and i was like okay there's one clever thing here which is art likes juvenile humans like teenagers yeah. Also, Art likes Murderbot because Murderbot is a juvenile human. Like the the development of of Murderbot at the moment is a juvenile human, grumpy, sarcastic, <laughs> hasn't worked out social cues, yeah. is a bit like belligerent with their body, like not quite, yeah. you know, sort of like these these guys whose voice is just about to break and stuff. And you see and these the, teenage boys the, who come the, out in spots and they don't have full control over yeah, their and arms. The, and the limbs and, are too, too long. Yeah, and they're <laughs> bumping into things and tripping over things because they're like, wait, my feet, like these shoes I've got to wear. Like, like where I have these 50, 12, 53. Yeah, <laughs> size 12 feet, where did they come from? And you're like bumping into stuff. So this is a, like this novel is a, like a fun coming of age story yeah. hidden inside a, it's a coming of age story with some fun you robot. know yeah ro but hidden inside a, a robot doesn't admit that the human is slowly becoming human that's the clever thing about yeah. this story but it's hidden behind all these other layers of yeah. stuff there's a reason why somebody's parent likes a juvenile teenager you know there's a reason why, because, you know, they're the parents and they have to love them or whatever. Yeah. And they've seen them grow up from being a baby. And now this is just a stage in the life and they're going to get through the stage and they're going to become a full blossomed human being, <laughs> an adult who can look around and like recognize other people have thoughts and has a code of morality mm -hmm. and like can fit in with society and all these kind of things, which you're really struggling with it when you're 12 to 13 to 14 years old. Yeah. But by the time you're 18 to 20 years old, hopefully people have kind of got this kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> recognizing emotions in other yeah. people and all that 
And I understand why art feels that because art is like not apparent, but art is seeing this progression. Mm. And I understand why we as readers also see this as well. You're like, oh, it's like seeing someone. It's like seeing a baby human who's already big enough to bump into shit and kill things and has massacred people in the past, but is now slowly becoming human in the same way that a juvenile or child or juvenile can yeah. do this. And now they're like, oh, this one is the teenage novel where they're getting why? human. They're getting romantic feelings for people. Yeah. You know. I do understand why Menza might have that attack. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying Mensa does because she was there from the beginning yes. again and yes. helped that development along but yeah. all the other I'm saying all the other humans in yeah. they don't get it like this is the missing piece yeah. and I think it would be much better if all of the other humans look at Murderbot and treat Murderbot like an annoying 13 year old boy or girl yeah. you know or 13 year old child like a teenager and acknowledge that in the same way that art kind of implies that art likes um likes the uh, um likes young juveniles and also because they are also at that level and also murderbot is and that's the connection that they have yeah. these these robot artificial intelligences or cyborg whatever's going you know however it works out with the brains again don't need to go into it but that is the that is the cleverness that's going on in the background which i haven't seen in any other reviews but it's sort of like there and implicit and i enjoy it but it's kind of it's it's failed by the fact that other humans are like and now i will risk my life for murder but i'm like no you wouldn't like for no that isn't it like i wanted more of a contrast with other the way mm. by the human characters treating Murderbot like Murderbot, what it really is and there are, there is a little bit of that when they're like oh no you've got to acknowledge feelings and it's like someone coaching a teenager of yeah. like just tell her that you like her you know i think um i think what what's supposed to supposedly happening is that outside of these human interaction moments where uh, Murderbot has this circle of humans yeah. that they interact with. The Every human outside of that is acting like that. Yeah. But I'm saying we don't get any of that because we but spent we too we spent too long with the humans, yes, and I don't want so humans time... to have affection for Murderbot in the same way that we as readers are meant to, and say Mensa and Mickey and Art have like these yeah. other characters who are there like at that same and level. And also, what's or... her name? Um, what's the daughter? Amina. Amina. Yeah, I understand Amina. Yeah, yeah, cause because she, it, she's got a longer it, connection. She, as she well. figures out as well. Oh, this 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 being is at the same in i we are yeah, at the, this same, level, yeah. same level there and again that's never made explicit in mm. the text but it felt like with all of the other lazy 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 writing like with all of this other like oh we've just got some time to kill well let's just spend three hours with just people hanging out looking at whiteboards of the author's notes talking about probabilities and <laughs> like delineating pausing times between and i get it because again you totally understand like this is this nerd fulfillment science fiction where like somebody who doesn't have full control like it like it's it's like the someone on the autistic spectrum but not like maybe not that bit but sort of like oh i'm i'm somebody who likes watching science fiction televisions i'm a big fan of star trek or whatever the stand-in is for yeah. this century moon yeah sanctuary sanctuary moon. sanctuary moon like sanctuary the rise and fall of sanctuary moon could be anyone i just listened to um uh, I, I have listened to some other podcasts where people get really into star trek they're like oh in star trek this or or star star wars as well and like this and i'm like it feels like they're at the same level as the juvenile excitement of like media you yeah. know 
the yeah. Geek Nights podcast were like, oh, like we didn't have anything to review. So we're like, what's this TV, TV cartoon, Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon from the early 2000s? And they watched like the first two episodes and like, oh, I guess it would be good for kids, you know? And it's all like, oh, good. Like for so many of these like adult fans of anime and media, there's it it's so much of it is like at this like teenage juvenile level and it's good to sometimes see somebody acknowledge that ah like the fascination that that uh and and what murder bodies getting out of watching so much of this long-running science fiction show yeah is a juvenile activity you know that kind of minus oh i just watch it because i'm a fan you know and i just keep watching and, and it helps me get along with stuff there is some there is juvenile tendencies there if you know do you understand what i'm saying no, I'm, not really. I'm not trying to not be critical really. i'm just saying no, that there is it's, um... If a main character in a story is so much of an author and reader insert into a situation like I'm a real big fan of science fiction, so I'm going to write my main character as a real big fan of science fiction. You know, mm. both both of these things can be true, if you know what I mean. Like, it's okay to have somebody as a main character who is appealing to science fiction nerds who also maybe aren't very good at picking up on social cues from each other person, but believe that if they're just really, really, really capable, they can become a hero and save the day. And it doesn't matter how grumpy they are or sarcastic they are. People will put themselves, their lives in danger trying to save them. I'm just saying the yeah. whole thing feels like a massive wish fulfillment mary sue like oh, all you need to do be is is like mostly good in your actions very very competent and then it doesn't matter if your uh, your social development is like below teenage level your emotional development is teenage level your fandom of other things your exclusion of all this other kind of stuff it's like all of that doesn't matter you can't other humans will love you and support you and be the best to you if you're grumpy, sarcastic, immature, haven't got any social skills, don't know any of this, uh, and are obsessive about all these other things, ignore people, look off into the distance, turn your backs on people while having conversations, watch TV shows while you're meant to be interacting and doing jobs. Like I'm just saying, like it's it, the interest, the thing that makes this character so interesting to me, as someone who likes Murderbot, like I like Murderbot, but I I like the exploration of that, and by having all of the other characters in the novel have like this affirming behavior to the like the antisocial behaviors and the juvenile behaviors of Murderbot, I just don't want like I I just feel slightly uncomfortable with that. All of that, if you know what I mean. As somebody who, again, I often don't pick up on social cues. And also, like, me not being able to recognize people's names and faces is, like, a major issue in my real life yeah. of, like, having face blindness and literally not being able to recognize things and, and, and being able to interact with people socially. Like, I recognize that in myself as well. You want to say something? Yes, because what? you've reacted on what? me making faces yeah. in your little speech here yeah. without the audience actually uh, getting yeah, that they you can't, reacted. They can't see, <laughs> they can't to, see your facial yeah, expressions. Because you don't let me say something. No, I wanted to get all of that out. I'm I, just saying the writing makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm just saying the, the the actions of the other human characters in the book towards Murderbot makes makes me feel slightly uncomfortable. And I think it's mostly down to bad writing. Anyway, okay, now on. you said that three times. Yeah, uh, I'm that's just my saying, point. That's the point I, I Let to. me just say something. Yeah, get to it. Okay, what I try, what I what I was cringing a little bit about here the, the whole time a bit was that mm, 
it is really we need to or in my opinion it's difficult to put all these tropes um the social stuff uh and the interaction down to juvenile behavior because this kind of behavior is autistic behavior and and this is what i what i always saw in this in this character that is 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 it's more displaying um uh neuro not untypical behavior yes someone who's a cyborg is like the definition of neuro atypical (laughs) exactly so i wouldn't always have thought this was juvenile behavior but i can see what what you are saying no i'm saying that's the bad writing aspect yes like i think it's unclear like the the what's implicit and what's explicit in the book is it's explicitly neuroatypical, yeah. you know, and there's lots of explicit stuff about saying, oh, and if I stand here and don't make eye contact, I'll be able to, you know, that's, I can totally see that somebody writing, writing about like neuroatypical stuff. Yeah. Also, there's the, there's or the, neurodivergent, no, neurodivergent, yeah. or whatever, the, yeah, whatever yeah. the terminology, I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to be offensive about this, because again, this is some, this is what the book, this is what the series yes. is, this is what the book is. Yes. And it's, the the neurodivergent or the neuro like the non-typical or whatever you want to say about it what i like about this book it's about somebody saying hey i'm slash like autistic slash on the spectrum whatever but i think that's fine and i am i'm good to be like it's good for me that's gonna be okay for me and also at the same time other humans can just be friendly and happy and yeah but let me get on to that let me get on to that like about the me. other periods the, uh, the humans like if this is a novel about neuro diversions neuro atypical neuro atypical again gonna get the terms wrong if that is what it is about the i think the message needs to be a bit more i don't want to be human because like you're, you're wanting me to become more human but i don't want to become more human yeah typical human neurotypical whatever it is i don't want to be that because i'm good enough as in my own person as in my own person which is different to i am an emerging human who is a juvenile and this person like this arts thing likes juvenile humans all the time uh, like is is drawn to humans and the people i'm making connections with are other juveniles of like early teens teenagers which i i honestly forget why a teenager is along on this really dangerous mission but whatever okay there's a there's a kid along on the mission so like which is it is this a story Mm. is this a coming of age story which if that's fine that's fine because but then you need to have people reacting to the 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 teenager as though they're a teenager and you know saying you've got to get better at addressing emotions you've got to get better at talking about things you've got to get better and not wasting your time on this you get you clean your room or whatever it's going to be like you either have to treat someone who as if they're coming as going through a coming of age story yeah or you've got to treat it or like and or maybe as an and or, a skillful writer and or talk about neurodivergence or neuroatypicality or neurotypicality and as being something that is just which is fine is. but is the is someone who is on the autistic spectrum always grumpy and sarcastic to people no, like no, like th- that's oh, what I'm no. saying. That I think the lazy they, can be. <laughs> they could they could be. I'm saying that if somebody is grumpy and sarcastic all the time and on the autistic spectrum, it 
the, the, one of the things you probably tell them is sort of like, okay, even if you are grumpy and sarcastic, maybe don't always express your sarcasm, but we can't have, that's not, our, we don't have that option because we're in Murderbot's head. Yeah. Like when they're sarcastic, they're being sarcastic directly to us, the reader, about other things. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they're being grumpy, like if they were a, 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 a robot and they could just be like, I'm being really grumpy, but you can't tell if I'm being grumpy or over the moon happy because I don't have any facial expressions and I'm just watching television anyway like that's fine but no we get the grumpiness like mainlined into us as audiobook listeners or ebook readers or paper book readers <laughs> yeah. you understand like there's this, yeah, yeah. there's this mismatch between what the story is submitting us to with the lazy writing and lazy comedy and lazy characterization of Martha Wells the author <laughs> and what this story could be about which is like either a coming of age story hidden inside a robot becomes human story, or is it a, a, a neurodivergent person deciding that they don't want to continue to become be, being more and more human because they see the trouble that comes with that and they're happy within their own things and they're going to take in a different direction, which is more of like, a, like, oh, if you're on the autistic spectrum, you need to be healed. But autistic people are like, no, I'm, a, I'm just me. I, this is me. This is my character and this is my brain and this is who I am as a person. Yeah. So I understand it in both ways. And I think this book is messy but like it it fails on both of those things because it it's not well enough written to to get to in the middle and it ends up and this is what i'm saying it ends up being this like wish fulfillment oh if only like it's okay for me to be grumpy it's okay for me to sarcastic it's okay for me to be this and that and juvenile and and it, it all gets mixed together in this way like oh i like watching star trek and i'm grumpy and i'm sarcastic and i'm thing and then at the end of it it's sort of like and these humans will throw themselves in front of aliens to save you yeah. and and i'm it's this messaging or whatever's going on here where the where readers are like yay i'm also so much into this my identity is watching sanctuary moon yeah. and i know lots of people who's well you know especially like me being on the or us being this podcast being on the fringes of science fiction fandom like yeah. the the like I, this has never been a fandom cast it's never been, and this is a thing that i have issues with with the um with the uh, with the uh, every year not anymore but every year i'd get emails saying hey if you want to be part of the parsec awards which is a podcast uh, award for science fiction podcasting oh, okay. and they're like what are you are you a fan cast are you a short story fiction where people read it and this podcast that we're on the science fiction book review podcast was it could never fit in any character it would never it didn't fit into any of the of the categories right to be voted for because it isn't a thing no, you know it isn't an anime podcast. It isn't a short story fiction. It's not a fan cast about like oh, there's this podcast about Firefly and Serenity, and I'm like, wait, there was 14 episodes in a TV show, and like there's long running continuing podcast that ran for yeah. 10 years. Yeah, like, yeah. People have than lots of things to say about. There's like the Incomparable podcast. They have like weekly shows where people come and talk about the latest Star Trek episodes, like episode by episode talking about Star Trek, which is fine. Like that's all good, you know, because like you're helping people experience this. It's good. Like I do the same with sports. Like I listen to the Formula One podcast. I listen to the tennis podcast. It's fun to listen to conversations about people who are also passionate about the thing that you're that you're interested in, yes. you know, and it's that's all good. But I'm just saying that like, there's this whole like, is it? Is it healthy for your entire personality to be wrapped up as being a fan of a TV show? And this book is saying, yeah, it's great. 
keep coming back to the same TV show and keep watching it over and over and over again and that makes you a better person that's going to teach you how to interact with the world like this is what this book this is what this book is saying and I'm not disagreeing with that I'm just saying it I think it takes a better writer than Martha Wells who's doing this like oh this this messaging didn't wasn't explicitly there when everything was happening in novella length you know when yeah, it's novella it's, length it's, you're like oh this is just sort of like implicit in the background whatever that, goes we and don't then need it to become, think about it and then it becomes a novella length and I'm sitting there stewing and I'm like this is an unhealthy relationship between Murderbot and X and then something else is happening like this is an unhealthy way of doing this but it's all being celebrated it seems to be being celebrated or being told within the book to say no this is great this is great and i think a better writer would be able to bring more subtlety to that and have a better view into the issues that this book is read is talking about and again i'm maybe putting too much weight on this issue i in think the book. so <laughs> you think so but why did this book become a, a hugo and nebula award winner it's for the same issues this book is it a it, because by being like this It appeals to... Exactly. This book appeals to yeah. murderbots who are in so much of a fan of a single thing. They're so much Sanctuary Moon fans that as soon as they're in awards category for Sanctuary Moon to be voted for, they will immediately vote for it. And you'll be like, wait, was this episode of Sanctuary Moon really the best short no, but form? That, as I say, that's not the point that's what of this. this. This book is about the people who vote for this book in yeah. the same way that Murderbot will come back to Sanctuary Moon. And in this book, it's made explicit that they're like, why do you, why do you think that Sanctuary Moon is the best television show? And you know the, re the reason why they gave it? That was the first one I started watching. That's it. That's the reason given. There isn't actually anything good about Sanctuary Moon explicitly in the book. Nothing about it is actually like mentioned within the text of the book as being good, worth watching, worth spending time on at all. Nothing about it. No, it's the, just is just a TV It is show. a show. Yeah. The only reason why Murderbot loves the show so much and is such a big part of Murderbot's life is that it was the first one that they watched. Yeah. That's it. And, and I'm it's, like, it's, it's long oh, and it shit. has lots of different things in it. That's why yeah. this book, that's why Network Effect by Martha Wells won the, won the, um, won the novella. Uh, no, no, it the, won all the novella ones yeah. and that's fine. And it, and it they went over and it was like, now I'm going to write a novel one. And the only reason it won, it was because, oh, this was the first one. You know, this, this was the first, the first novel in this, yeah. No, no, not only that, but it was the first series of novellas that were put out with the same hype as novels normally every novella that came out was sort of like oh yeah that was published once in analog magazine or in yeah, yeah. clark's world or yeah. over on the tour website or whatever yeah, this was But these were put out thing for itself these were put out very specifically like no this is one audiobook credit this on audible this is one credit i'm like two and a half hours now nah, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend a credit and like no this is worth one like you, you know what i'm saying like this was the first series of novellas which did this and then it's that's why it became everyone's favorite series of novellas because mm. it's like it was doing what no novels could do yeah but in a shorter time that you could just pack in and read four of them in a year or write four of them in a year yeah and now you see the um what is it the uh the, what is it the monk and ro robot and monk and they're yeah. like ah that's what i'm doing now and yeah. is that going to become people's favorite ever it's like uh, it wasn't the first do you understand what i'm saying yes. here yeah like, yeah i get it what sanctuary moon was to like the unhealthy what well, i keep saying unhealthy what i feel as like 
questionable attachments that one person can have to a media property that it def- yeah. defines their life yeah. defines their identity it's how they find their way in the world which again if it's an amazing media if it's an amazing piece of media you're like great but then you see somebody going like oh no breaking bad you do know Walt- walter white is like he's the bad guy you understand that like yay call me heisenberg and i'm like oh, oh. you know some of these yeah. movies and tv shows and people latch onto them are like oh you know just because that was the first good TV show that you watched and had some strong characters and was written. You know, I I think Breaking Bad is amazing. It's like one of the best TV series I've ever seen. Like, it's amazing. Like, really, really good. But it's it doesn't make me think that, oh, yeah, and then Walter White, he's the guy that I want to be. I want to run a meth empire and make, you know, make stuff. Nah, that, that's the whole point of it. You don't want to no, do that. No, you don't want to be him. <laughs> he dies in the end, I yeah. think, maybe might die Either i think way. we gave it a bit too much credit now we talked about one uh, you it's mostly talked about one Hugo hour 18. award-winning i didn't i didn't think this point at the end i'd go on so long but i wanted you to have your say and i wanted to address it like again yes maybe i'm i'm saying that there isn't any issue with these issues i don't see a problem with the issues being raised in a novel or in a novella series or anything i just think the writing what isn't good enough to make me feel comfortable that this book isn't just self-fulfilling. You know, yeah. this isn't oh, a self-fulfilling it's, it's, it's book. It's very much so. I if, I write, if I write a book which literally holds a mirror up to all of the fans who will unquestionably follow a science fiction series to the grave, mm-hmm. um, then they'll, you know, and, and defend it and vote for me and get into arguments on Reddit about Star Trek versus Star Wars or this, this version. I just saw the latest Incomparable episode is they're talking. They're like, hey, we're going to do, um, we're going to talk about Picard and star trek what's the other one discovery and brave new worlds and i just started listening to part of part of that podcast mm. and they're like oh we're doing one podcast about three tv series and i'm like you know what that's about right one yep. podcast where you cover like all of the star trek that's, that's come out in the last week totally I'm like, that's great but again though these people are star trek fans and star mm. wars fans and th- this is mm. what their, their podcast is about and again I, I don't, i'm not even sure what i'm trying to say about this point like but it's like there are enough people out there who will unquestionably follow and they're like, oh, a, t- a TV show has come out. Well, I'm a Star Wars fan, so of course I'm going to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi and I'm going to yeah. enjoy it. And we get through like an episode and we almost turned it off halfway through the first episode. Yeah. And then we got halfway through the second episode and we turned it off and we're like, no, there's, just... there is no amount of fandom that I can have for something yeah. that will make me sit through just, I don't know, just garbage like just now, badly no, made no 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 no, no. we can't go in this now this is going to be another half hour of, of a what? podcast if we now start talking about the tv show so let's no, just i don't want to talk about this. it i know but i think i'm just saying by now first the episode point of has come had across. the worst no, 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 chase no, no, scene no, i've no, ever no, seen no, on television no, no let's even not don't say don't even don't even start talking about it please yeah. it's yeah. time for another episode for that maybe no but we're not gonna we can't review we can't review star I, wars I don't tv it's talk, literally I think, beneath me i think to by even now spend time on that we exhausted talking about that hugular award winning i i think it's important for me to talk about this stuff it's it's I'll put it this way it's not unimportant and i'm glad that i talked about it for this long good how many stars do you give it oh like two and a half two stars two and a half stars okay like again it's not terrible it's just yeah. lazy and too long yeah 
Like, Murderbot is interesting or can be. There are things about Murderbot and this whole series which is interesting. That is appealing. And is appealing. To and it's, not only us, but other people. Some of it is competently done. But again, when I get 70% of the way through and I'm like, oh, these are main characters. Like, I've been spending like seven hours with these human characters and I'm like, oh, I hadn't even thought to remember their names. Yeah. Like, that's just a sign of it not being good. So let's say two stars. You gave it three stars. Yes, I did. So let's round it to... Oh, no, you're, no you did an episode where you rated it three stars. Yes. And I didn't have any input in the rating. So yep. this, I'm going to give this two stars and you're not going to have any input in the rating this time. All right. Is that right? Perfect. Two, two, two stars. Okay. Two and a half. Two stars. Two. Which is a pity because I just want to say the previous no- novellas on Goodreads, I gave like between three and four stars. Like they're three, yeah, this is they're three and four star novel- novellas. I, I think this is purely down to this being huge drop novel, off. novel length Yeah. and uh, trying to be, it is doing something very consciously to itself yeah and, and also and i think yeah. are there more i, I can't there's even another remember. novella the there's next one is novella. yeah 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 i think so just just cut it just leave this aside as yeah. a i think i'll enjoy the next if there's another, yeah. another novella yeah. which is monster of the week or learn new planet or next I don't small even mission remember. it's been quite some time that did I, you read fugitive telemetry yes i think i did okay either way i'll probably i'll i'll put a blog uh, a, a, a it's totally library yeah style uh yeah, free, media, free reading. Consu- yeah, yeah. Con- consuming I mean, I'll media. do it again. So that's it for this episode. On the next episode, we'll get to either... Oh, what was it? Either Black Sun by Rebecca, Ro- Rebecca Roanhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, Robot Dreams by Isaac Asimov. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to do City We Became because I've talked about it on a few podcasts. Just saying. It's it wasn't only the... ever worth mentioning. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. Nah, not, not... Sorry, didn't appeal to me. And you didn't finish it. Uh, two attempts. Two yeah. attempts. One is an audiobook. Couldn't get into it. Bought it as as an ebook from Kindle, as a Kindle book, because uh, yeah. it was on offer. And yeah. I spent like three three dollars. Tried it again. And it, because of that, me. it's also I can also read it. And I think it's only worth uh, us talking about it. If, if you also I have also something to say about it, yeah. read it and say yes. But I, I, did, I didn't get long enough. Like I need to get. If I don't finish a book, I feel I need to get at least fifty percent of the way through right. to, for it to for have a strong opinion about it. Yeah. But if I don't care enough about it to get more than that, it's just not for me. Yeah. Which isn't to say it's bad. But it's, it's fine. just that so, It's very not for me. It's the wrong genre. The wrong kind of setup for Luke to enjoy. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So let's do let's do black black sun next. Okay. Rebecca Rowan Hall. Sounds next. good. And if you want to find us on Goodreads, you yeah. can do that and um, suggest books. Yeah. And, and talk, go over to talk the, to us. Go over give to ep- the episode feedback. Yeah. Episode feedback on SFBRP <laughs> listener group on Goodreads and also books I would like to see reviewed. Uh, this black sun I think was a, a recommendation Ooh. from science fiction book review podcast listeners. Nice. Um, yep. What do other people say on uh, Goodreads about this uh, network effect? Oh, I just don't care because they're well, the people. They're the kind of people no. who voted for it. No, Jenny from Reading Envy gave it three stars. Well, this is a longer version of novellas where things Murderbot learned earlier storing it uh, comes into play. Can't say I enjoyed it exactly, but maybe it can become a tournament of books completist. Um, oh, she read it for some book list. Yeah, that's what Jenny did. Lindsay rated it four stars. Julie Davis five stars. B four stars. Klaus. Rated it two stars, but his um, reviews in German, so I'm not going to read it out. <laughs> no, uh, Keith Jones two stars. I read his review earlier. Ellison two stars. This is probably just as good as the f- previous four, and their charm, which seemed considerable in the beginning, has just worn off. Oh, their charm, the charm has worn off, is yeah. what Ellison says. Yeah, yeah, quite a, quite a few two star reviews actually. Yeah. Lots of four star reviews, not many five stars. 
a few five stars. Oh yeah, people. Yeah, lots of lots of four stars and two stars. Yeah. I think if you if you like Murderbot yeah. and are just happy to have more, you're like, oh, four stars. Yeah. But if you're like if you're not a huge fan of Murderbot and this is the book that comes but across, just you're just like, like ah, nah. charms worn yeah. off now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So yeah, four point nice. four six overall rating on Goodreads. In Ooh. other words. Easy to win, and uh, my friend's reviews uh, gets to yeah three point nine. So yeah, that's a bit. It's a it's a little bit yeah. yeah, And I'm way down there, but again, it's only because I have issues with lazy writing, and this entire book was brought down by lazy. We heard a lot about this now. So no, we 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 are wrapping this up. We're not going to start again. You can email me Luke at Juggler.net. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Luke Burge. Juliana is in the same places at J U K U Berlin. We're going on holiday. next week so oh, i'd like so to get at least one more to... podcast let's get one of more of these podcasts recorded this coming week okay um, i try let's do rowan horse's um black sun i try and uh i think you might even enjoy that book if you read it but let's see okay um that's it from us thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye <laughs>